Hi, I'm Fraser and this is Mum Says It's My Turn. I'm settling into things a bit here with the podcast. I want to start with a very big thank you to everyone so far for checking it out and supporting it. Remember to tell your friends about it. Tell your mums. Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay, let's move on. So how was your week? Did you see anything good? Did you play anything good? Started watching Masters of the Air. I mentioned it uh, a couple of weeks back. It's the latest show from the people behind Band of Brothers and the Pacific. It follows a group of bomber pilots and their crews during the Second World War. And so far, it's absolutely brilliant. Definitely doing a great job of capturing the charm and the camaraderie that Band of Brothers had. Austin Butler, Callum Turner, Barry Keoghan are just some of the faces you'll recognize all delivering quality performances. Honestly, after seeing Barry Keoghan in Saltburn and now in this, I've got a bit I've got a bit of a Barry obsession going on if I'm being honest. It's also just a beautifully shot TV show, uh, definitely well worth checking out if you haven't already. You can watch that on Apple TV, by the way, and I'd say it's worth the subscription for a month or two at least. Speaking of excellent TV, a few weeks ago, the BBC aired the finale of season two of The Traitors, one of, if not the, best reality TV show ever. Which isn't saying much because reality TV is usually kind of rubbish, but The Traitors is the beautiful oasis in the desert of reality TV. Have you seen it? You haven't? Okay, well, I'll briefly explain it then for the nerds who haven't seen it. 22 strangers meet in a Scottish castle. Claudia Winkleman is also there. During a round table meeting, three of the players are selected at random and in secret to be the traitors. The remaining players are called the faithful. Each night, the traitors have an opportunity to collectively select one of the faithful to murder. The following day, all the remaining players convene to discuss who they all think the traitors are and then vote out one player. The traitors win by avoiding detection until there are as many traitors left in the game as faithful and the faithful win by banishing all of the traitors. And there's £120,000 up for grabs, by the way. If you're thinking this concept sounds familiar, then that's because this game premise is already a very established one. You probably played this exact game yourself, albeit without the 120k prize pool. If you have played it, you've probably referred to it as Mafia or Murder or maybe Werewolves. These are all variations of the same gameplay mechanic, formerly known as Social Deduction Games. Most people have played a social deduction game in one form or another, so I won't explain it to death, no pun intended, but I did think that for this episode we could take a closer look at what a social deduction game is. There's a lot of examples of social deduction games out there on the market, and they also have kind of an interesting history, so let's talk about them. Social deduction games come in all shapes and sizes. There's the most basic version of the game, which is just, you know, where a group sits in a circle. Players are assigned as being either a murderer or an innocent. And the game plays out with night and day cycles of murder and discussion with one person operating as the game master to basically keep things moving. 
There are numerous board game iterations. For example, a game called One Night Ultimate Werewolf. This is similar to the basic version of the game, but with a few tweaks to spice up the gameplay and also make it easier to play. So you have your villains, or werewolves in this case, and you have your innocent players called villagers, all decided by giving a card from a shuffled deck to each player at the beginning of the game. This card outlines the player's role, and then it stays face down in front of them on the table. The difference with One Night Ultimate Werewolf compared to your classic Mafia is that the villagers might also have specific roles to play. And there are several different roles that you can swap in and out and incorporate into your game in order to keep it interesting from one round to the next. These roles might allow for the ability to wake up and inspect another player's card, for example. This would allow you to see whether that player is a werewolf or an innocent villager. You could then use this information during the deliberation phase of the game. However, you have to think, do you want to say outright that you have this ability? As doing so could put a target on your own back from the surviving werewolves. This is just one example of how One Night Ultimate Werewolf has evolved the classic game of Mafia to add a new dimension to the gameplay. They also have an app which narrates the various phases of the game, which keeps things moving along with like mood and, and drama. Um, it's also a nice quality of life feature that means that one player doesn't have to sit out as the game master. Other board games like Chameleon vary the gameplay with unique twists. And by the way, as is the case with Chameleon, not all social deduction games are about murder and killing each other. They are, however, always about finding out who is the odd one out within your ranks. So, in the case of Chameleon, at the beginning of a round, all players except the Chameleon are given a prompt. You then go round the circle, and everyone in the group has to say a word related to that prompt. Now, if you're the Chameleon and your turn is coming up, you obviously don't know what the prompt is. So you have to infer what the theme is by what the other players have said. This doesn't necessarily mean you know or you have figured out what the underlying prompt is, but you can at least grasp at straws and come up with a word that can maybe skate by undetected. So the job of the other players is to say a word that demonstrates they know what the underlying prompt is, but not so obvious that it gives the prompt away to the chameleon. It's kind of complicated, so I'll give a quick example. Let's say that Harry Potter is the prompt, okay? If I was to say Dumbledore, then I've totally given the game away to the chameleon. If I say magic, it's vague enough that I maybe don't give the game away to the chameleon, but it's also potentially so vague that I don't convince the other players that I'm not the chameleon. This game is really fun. It requires a lot of strategy, whether you are the chameleon or one of the other players. And it's a great one to play with people that you know quite well, as you can use obscure shared knowledge and references to make it harder for the chameleon. And it's a great example of a social deduction game that, like I say, isn't based on murder for any squeamish people out there. If murder is your thing though, then I should also mention that there is a board game version of The Traitors, the TV show which I mentioned already. It follows a very similar premise to the show and is definitely also worth checking out.
There are also plenty of video games with a similar concept. One that most of you will have heard of is Among Us, uh, whose viral success sparked the creation of a great many more social deduction video games in the last few years. Among Us was kind of a global phenomenon. I'm sure lots of people listening have either played that game or at least heard of it. If you've never heard of it, it's the same premise as the other Mafia games, but you play as one of up to 10 members of a spaceship crew. And up to two members of your group are imposters who will attempt to murder members of the group and sabotage the ship. The non-imposter members of the crew have to keep the ship from exploding and complete a number of tasks or vote out the imposters in order to win. It was released in 2018, uh, but it didn't see a huge amount of success until mid-2020 when, at the height of the pandemic, it suddenly exploded in popularity. And when I say it exploded, I mean it really exploded. (laughs) As of September 2020, it had over 100 million downloads uh, and at its peak had 3.8 million concurrent players. Hilariously, at the time, the studio was using a free Amazon server, which, needless to say, I think struggled a bit with the volumes of users that were playing. I played Among Us a ton with my family during lockdown. With social distancing and not seeing each other for several months, it was really fun to still feel like you could hang out, even if it was just in a virtual spaceship. And we would play for hours on a weekly basis. I think our longest session started at around 8pm and finished at something like 3 in the morning, which by lockdown standards was kind of a wild night out. So, story time. Are you sitting comfortably? My dearest mother, the namesake of this podcast, and by the way, she'll definitely be listening, so hey mum, you may want to tune out a bit while I besmirch your good name. My mum is very, very good at games. Owing to the fact that she's incredibly competitive. She's definitely who I get my competitive nature from and also my terrible flatulence, right mum? Just kidding. So so she's very good at games, very competitive and totally not above throwing out a manipulative gut punch if it means she's more likely to win. This may have led to some very traumatic games of Monopoly in my childhood. By the way, this is all very out of character for my mum, who, when not playing games, is the literal angel on top of your Christmas tree. So anyway, when we would play Among Us, she would whip out her usual bag of tricks to to try and manipulate us, but my siblings and I would be quite unaffected by this point in our lives. However, even we were surprised when we'd invite friends along to play, um, friends that she'd never met before and she'd use the same tactics against them and afterwards they'd be like oh I really think I upset your mum but really it was just that classic fighting spirit which we love to see I don't know maybe if we get to like a thousand followers of the podcast I'll organize a game of Among Us with my mum and you can all see for yourselves so anyway there are multiple variations of this kind of game from the very traditional to the board game variants to the video game evolutions And I find social deduction games so interesting because where most games are testing maybe 
your logical reasoning or, you know, your reaction time or your strategic thinking. Social deduction games are specifically testing your social skills. You know, your ability to read people, your ability to lie and your ability to manipulate a group. Now, I saw in a clip from another podcast, funnily enough, someone talking about how Mafia, which is the original version of this game, was actually created by a psychology professor as a sort of study around an informed minority going up against an uninformed majority. So in this instance, the informed minority would be the traitors or the murderers. They're informed because they know who the murderers are. And the uninformed majority are all the innocent players. They only know that they are not the murderers. So I looked into the game's origin, and this seems to mostly be true. Its creation is widely credited to have been by a man called Dmitry Davidov in 1987 at Moscow State University. He was actually a student, as far as I can tell, not a professor, um, but it was absolutely in its simplest form about pitting an informed minority against an uninformed majority. And then its fun and simplistic nature meant that it proliferated far and wide before too long, eventually becoming, you know, what we know it as today. Which is interesting, right? A little history lesson for you there. I was also reading, and maybe this is a little niche, that some people have actually tried to mathematically model the outcomes of the game. In other words, if a thousand games of Mafia are played, how many games, statistically speaking, will the murderers win versus how many will the innocents win based on various factors, blah, 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 blah. And basically, it's such a hard game to model in this way, at least in part because social bonds vary so much from person to person. Case in point, my sneaky mother's tactics do not work on me and my siblings, but they just might work on an unsuspecting outsider who is afraid of upsetting her. What can I say? She just loves to win. Anyway, passions can get pretty high in social deduction games. If you've played before, you can almost certainly recall some heated discussions, usually when you're desperately trying to defend yourself and you're sure the person sitting opposite you is lying through their teeth. So it's kind of no wonder then that the premise has made its way to TV. And this game premise and TV go way back, funnily enough. The earliest iteration I could find was in the early 90s on Latvian TV, where they used this game mode and they did it in a sort of parliamentary setting and it was played by Latvian celebrities, which given that the game was only invented, you know, a few years prior to this, is it's kind of cool that it made its way onto TV so soon. In the late 90s, the premise was used again on a number of European versions of a show called The Mole. I actually have the vaguest memories of watching this show as a child. Don't know if anyone else does. In 2007, there was a kids TV show here in the UK called Trapped. And then a few years back, there was a show in the US called The Hustlers, which played a bit more like a quiz show, but where one player knew the answers in advance. And then in 2021, a Dutch game show called De Varadas, I'm sure you like my Dutch accent there, sparked the creation of the UK version of The Traitors, which in turn led to US and Australian versions. 
Now, I may be a little bit biased here, but but having checked out the other versions of the Traitors, I have to say that the UK one is by far the best. It was some of the most, honestly, some of the most tense and exciting TV I've watched in ages. And I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm I'm not. It's really that good. I'll avoid any major spoilers because I really want you guys to check it out. But if you'd prefer to go back and watch it completely fresh, then maybe just fast forward a minute or two. One of the players, a guy called Paul, was a personal favorite of mine. He he clearly had a great understanding of the game, you know, went in with a plan, was very confident, very calm, understood how to manipulate people. But it's funny because he was almost too good at the game. It's interesting watching the show because humans are kind of chaotic in the way that they operate, especially under stressed. So when someone seems like really under control and very calm, it um, you know, it drew some unwanted attention in his direction. Another thought I had is that without naming any names, it's interesting that people who were, let's say, less socially gifted at certain points, they might have been dead right about some of their deductions, but were unable to sway the group just because they weren't as popular with the other players. Also, shout out to the contestant Diane, who was representing all the mums out there. Mum says it's my turn's second favourite mum, definitely. Finally, I also think it's an interesting show because it's probably the only time, at least the only time I can think, where I've seen a social deduction game played where you also see the informed minority, so the traitors in this case, turning against each other. That adds a whole new level of depth to the concept for sure. Honestly, I'd even recommend going back I'm watching season one of the show as well. Also, while I'm on it, recommendations. This is not strictly a social deduction game, but the reality TV version of Squid Game also showcased some interesting social skill-based gameplay um, and was also a lot of fun, so definitely also worth checking out. It's funny, though, when, when we were watching The Traitors, we were pausing it like every few minutes to discuss what was happening, you know, what would you do in this situation? I think he should have done X. And that actually kind of sums up my ability with social deduction games very well. You know, it's a game where if you can sit back and analyze it, it's quite easy to come up with the right thing to do. But actually when you're, (laughs) when you're there in the moment and someone kind of calls you a liar to your face and you have to react, obviously that's a much harder thing. I also love to be a ringleader. I just can't help myself, okay? But if you've played social deduction games, you'll know that in the early rounds, no one knows who is actually suspicious. So that often leads to accusations against players who just draw too much attention to themselves. That's me, basically. I am that player. I often end up in hot water in these kind of games because I draw far too much attention to myself, Mr. Underhill. But anyway, I still love social deduction games. I think they're great games to play with friends and family, um, you know, provided your relationships are reasonably strong and can handle the strain of, you know, calling each other liars. You so rarely get an opportunity to flex your social skills. So it's really fun to be able to do that. It's also really fun when someone you thought you knew really well turns out to be an incredible liar and you had no idea. So that's as good a reason as any to give a game like this a go. 
And if you do fancy giving social deduction games a go and you've never played before, um, I have a few recommendations for you. So you can find the rules of the basic version of the game online. You can just search for Mafia. Um, I also mentioned a few games already, board games and video games, and I'd recommend them all. There are a few games that I haven't played yet, but I'd like to check out. An example that is similar to the OG version of the game that I haven't played but comes highly recommended is a game called Deception Murder in Hong Kong. It's a board game where you play as a team investigating a murder, but the murderer is actually among you. Each player has a specific role to play, and it's a bit more like Cluedo in that you're trying to establish what the murder weapon is and uncover evidence. Um, meanwhile, the murderer is just trying to mislead the group. The game was successfully crowdfunded on Kickstarter and was given the seal of excellence by the guys over at the Dice Tower. Another more recent release is a game called Blood on the Clock Tower. It seems to be a pretty traditional version of the Mafia game, but with demons and townsfolk instead. At a glance, I'm not 100% sure what it is about this game that separates it from others on the market, but it has been incredibly successful with critics. It's won a number of awards. So for that reason alone, I'm really interested to try it. It's also apparently good for up to 20 players, which I think could be really fun to have such a big game of Mafia, you know. Now to only find 19 friends to play it with. <laughs> Another board game that does this well is A Fake Artist Goes to New York. In this game, all players are instructed to draw something. Each player basically adds one line at a time to the drawing. One player, the fake artist, doesn't have the prompt and has to attempt to add to the drawing without making it obvious that they don't know what it is that they're drawing. Kind of like the Pictionary version of Chameleon. As far as video games go, I really don't think any of the variations that I've seen can top Among Us, honestly. But if you did want to check out a more classic version of the game, then I had my eye on Town of Salem 2, which recently became available and seems to be pretty good. So Town of Salem 1 was very popular social deduction game. And this second installment just seems to build upon their previous success. It came out last year and has 79% of players recommending it on Steam. So probably one to check out. So that's it for me today. Hopefully you've all had a murderously good time. <laughs> check out next week's episode where I'll be joined by a good friend of mine. Someone hopefully a little more chatty than Winnie. He's a fellow cinephile and uh, we're going to be chatting about some perfect scenes in movies. So I know it's going to be a good one. Catch you next time.